We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ here in Cave Creek, Arizona. What a what a great week. We had rain yesterday, and I think we got rain in the entire valley. I, I posted a picture on my you know, social media page, Facebook, and I was all excited about it. Somebody from downtown Phoenix posted it in uh, rain, and then my brother down in Chandler also had rain. So I, I think that's the first time since I've been here the entire valley had rain at the same time. So very blessed. We're so thankful to the Lord to bring us that rain. And I just pray that it continues to come, but not in too much amounts all at once, but enough that it will uh, give us uh, the, the need uh, we, we have here in the state of Arizona to keep uh, the water flowing and people drinking good water and that their crops will grow. We're always thankful to the Lord for his blessings. But we also have to remember, we live in a desert, and so not getting much rain is is normal. This is uh, where we chose to live, but I love it here. I'm very happy. Well, this uh, this afternoon I want to talk about, well, it, it's something I talked about on Sunday night. A, a wonderful thing happened Sunday night. I won't mention his name here on the radio because I, I didn't get his permission, but well, we had a, a, a fella, a young man, be baptized into Christ Sunday night. And he's a young, young man, and... Um, very inspiring. I, and I know that he has been studying about baptism, about whether or not he needed to be uh, baptized into Christ for years. I remember a couple of years back, uh, he wanted to study the book of Revelation, some aspects of it with me. And I sat down and began with that. His parents told me that he had some interest in uh, bat- being baptized. He told me that as well. And after the study, uh, I, I felt like maybe I had a... a you know, jinxed the whole situation. Maybe I went too deep. Maybe I went too far. Maybe I pushed too much. I don't know. Uh, But it just seemed like it kind of ended. And uh, I was scared thinking, oh, I even prayed to the Lord thinking, I hope I didn't ruin this. And uh, I was so worried. And uh, he gave me some encouragement uh, Sunday night telling me that that when I asked him about his, what influenced him this, uh, to be baptized, because I knew he just got back from going to camp up at Copper Basin Bible Camp just last week. And he said that was Definitely what really kind of pushed him over the edge. Of course, his family, camp. And he said his study with me from a couple of years back, which really surprised me. I didn't think he would say that. And so that, that was great encouragement to me. And uh, and so I want to talk about things that influence us. Or or maybe you could look at it by like this, contagious attitudes. And when I say contagious, that, that means that, you know, we can if we we don't have our guard up, 
we can allow a lot of things to influence us, especially people's attitudes. And so we need to have our minds geared and ready to, to deal with those things. I want to start with a, an illustration. Some time back in Germany, there was a couple of women. They were driving down the Autobahn when they realized they were low on gasoline. So they pulled over to a gas station and the driver filled her car up with gas, but discovered she did not have enough money to pay the bill. So I'm guessing this was some time back because nowadays you just can't do that. You pay first, then you pump, or you put in your card. So she asked her friend to stay behind as a human deposit while she went to withdraw some extra cash. A police spokesman in the German town of, I mean, I think it's Munchenberg, I don't know how you pronounce that, said, unfortunately, the woman did not return. Two hours after the 20-year-old driver left, the gas station called the police, who then questioned the stranded deposit before releasing her. At last report, the police were investigating the driver on suspicion of fraud. How many of you would like to have a friend like that? That would leave you at a gas station. (laughs) Not me. You could say that this so-called friend harmed the person she left behind. This woman that was left behind suffered the loss of time, the embarrassment of having to talk to the police, the humiliation of knowing that her friend had abandoned her. And Proverbs tells us that there are friends like that, that there are people who will hurt us. It says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, why did that girl stay behind as a human deposit? Why allow herself to be stranded like that? Well, she trusted her friend. She didn't expect to be left there. She expected that her friend would return and take her where she wanted to go. You know, the Bible repeatedly tells us that we need to be careful what friends we choose because some friends won't take us where we want to go. Having the wrong friends can be a painful experience. Numbers chapter 33, verse 55, God tells Israel that if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your sides, and they will trouble you in the land in which you live. In other words, Israel needed to avoid hanging out with these people. The very presence of these former inhabitants of the land could hurt Israel. And the Bible tells us the same thing. Who we hang out with can cause us great pain. They can cause us harm. They can hurt our families, our futures, our dreams. Again, Proverbs 13.20, the companion of fools will suffer harm. A biblical case in point tells the story of a man named Lot, the nephew of Abraham. You may, If you remember the story about Abraham and Lot, Lot uh, Abraham uh, takes him and says, look, you, you pick which side of this valley you, you want to live on, and I'll take the other. And of course, he looks out on one side, it looks lush, it's where Sodom and Gomorrah was, and he pitched his tents near Sodom. That's uh, Genesis 13, verses 10 through 13, somewhere in there. Now, was Sodom a good place to live? Well, we know not. It wasn't. I mean, maybe 
Maybe Lot didn't know. Maybe he did know. I don't know. Uh, in fact, you know what? Let, let's let's read the passage. Let's find out what the text says. Um, in verse eight, uh, Genesis thirteen, verse eight. So Abraham, eight, excuse me. So Abram said to Lot. Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please, separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. If to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zorah. So Lot chose for himself the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley, and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly, and sinners against the Lord. Now, did Lot know this at the time? Prob- I don't know. Probably not. Uh, Peter t- lets us know in 2 Peter 2, 7 that he was a righteous man. But it says he pinched, pitched his tents uh, uh, near Sodom. That's what I think is going on there. Later on, uh, a few chapters later, angels from God came to warn Lot to flee the city. Um, we know in chapter 14 that he now is living in Sodom. So he, you know, he just kind of drifts and makes his way into the city. Uh, in, that's a 19 verse 1 is where he's told to, to leave. In a, also 19.1, it says that he is sitting in the gateway of the city. And it's almost as if he's sitting there waiting for strangers to come along and um, you know, to, to bring them into his house because he knows what's going on in that city. So he knows what's going on. And when the men of the city come to take the angels and they wanted to have carnal knowledge with them, they were going to abuse them, you know, it didn't seem to surprise Lot. Why in the world would you want to stay in a city like that? And then to offer your own daughters in replacement of uh, these strangers? Come on. What a, a, a big tangled mess. How did this happen? And not only that, after they uh, finally the angels convinced Lot and his family to leave, and God tells them, don't turn around, don't look back at the city when you leave, what, what happens? His own wife, righteous Lot's wife, turns around and looks after God told them not to do it, and she turns into a pillar of salt. They make their way up into the caves. The daughters of Lot think that the world is coming to an end, which I, you know, I can almost understand that after everything that just happened. Scared. And what do they want to do? What's what's the here? The world's getting ready to come to an end in their minds, and so they get their father inebriated, drunk. They have relations with him. I'm trying to keep this PG for kids in the car. They have relations, and because they want to have kids, that is what a big tangled mess. And it happened because even a righteous man like Lot can be led astray. Lot did not choose his companions wisely, and it hurt his entire family. You know, I I should have looked it up before I started this. I I want to read the passage of what happened to uh, um, 
Lot's wife. I, unfortunately, I don't have the uh, passage memorized in here. Uh, you know what? I'll just have to look it up later on. But um, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll bring it up. But I know why. Why would Sarah look back at the city? I mean, you don't look back on it unless you're longing for something. How? How could anyone long for anything from that city? Now, I, I know that there's bad things that happen here in Phoenix. I love living here. It's not, but this is not a city where, you know, when people come from outside where the whole city comes out because they want to abuse the person. That's horrible. Uh, I've seen some horrible cities, and I did not look back when I left. I was glad to get out of there. Sodom was exceedingly wicked, and even at night when they find out that, hey, some strangers came into town and Lot's got them in his house, we should go over there and bang on his door and tell you let us in there so we can have our way with him. How horrible. And uh, and for Lot's wife to want to look back at that destruction, that's it. Uh, I don't understand. I don't understand. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 warns us, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? You know that word fellowship uh, there in 2 Corinthians 6, what fellowship has light with darkness? That word fellowship is a, is a neat word. I, I always think about In my mind, I paint pictures. I always think of things, you know, I try to imagine. And whenever I see the word fellowship, I, I, I can't help but to break it up into the two words. You see, fellow and ship. So what's a fellow? You know, I think of a guy in my mind. I, I know that's probably not it, but I just think of some, some fella. Now, and I know fellowship's talking about, you know, multiple people together. So I see two guys standing in a, or sitting in a boat. That's, that's what pops in my mind. Every time I hear the word fellowship, I see two fellas sitting in a boat. And it really fits well because when you got two guys sitting in a boat, wherever they want to go, they have to go together. So you're going to have to steer that boat and move in a particular direction together if you're going to have fellowship. So whoever you're having fellowship with, you better hope that person wants to go to the same place you want to go. Or where you're going is a good, righteous place. And if you're not sure, you better make sure you're the one steering the boat. That's fellowship. you got to be moving because you have to go in the same direction. So whoever you have fellowship with, it better be someone righteous because what, what fellowship is there with between light and darkness? There is none. You're either going towards the darkness or you're going towards the light. And so we need to make sure that we are surrounding our families and our children. I'm talking to the parents. This is really a, a lesson for our parents and your children. We need to make sure we surround our children with the right kinds of influences. And we know that there's some things we can't, you know, we can't have. They're, they're going to have the influence of the world. They're going to come in contact with darkness eventually. And so the bet, and we don't ever wish this upon our children. I have, my kids are about ready to start public school in August. And I'm nervous about it. I, uh, we have, me and my wife, we're going to homeschool for for the longest time, now we got a fourth kid coming, and uh, so we we and we we live in a great school district, so we decided let's go ahead and give this a try. So we're we're nervous about it, but we need to make sure that we are the greatest influence upon our children, more so than the school, and not allow the school to be the ultimate influence. And I know there's going to be some things that they're going to come in contact with that we're not going to agree with, 
So we got to be careful. We got to make sure that we're dealing with all the influences that they're coming in contact with. Now, is it okay for them to be around folks who don't believe in the Bible? Sure. Can they have friends with guys, uh, other kids that, and families that are not members of the body of Christ? Absolutely. But as far as fellowship goes, see, you, uh, they, he, he, they can't have that kind of fellowship. doesn't mean you can't be friends with them, but you can't be, be in fellowship with them. There's a difference. Friends is when you, you take your boat and you kind of dock for a little bit and you're hanging out with them, but you stay, you get back in your boat and you move in the right direction. You don't get into their boat and you most certainly don't let them steer your boat. But you can still be friends with them and stop by and say hi every now and again. He who walks with wise men will be wise. Now walking just means the journey we have in our life. So whoever's on that, if you're on a journey, you, know, you can have friends and, and family that are not uh, uh, wise. But if you're going to have someone walk with you, that means they're going to come. They're going to you're going to be moving in the same direction as them. Make sure it's wise direction. It's in the right direction. If you're having fellowship with wise people, then you end up being like them. If you want to be wise, hang out with wise people, learn from them. But on the other hand. The Bible warns us that hanging around other kinds of folks can have a negative effect. Do not be deceived. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Bad company corrupts good morals. Be careful. Be careful. You know, if you have somebody really unhappy in their relationship you know, around you all the time, and all they ever do is complain and you're around them a lot, you might start uh, to be critical of your own relationship. That's kind of an excursus. I don't want to chase that rabbit. But I just I, I want us to be careful about the influences we have in our life. Um, I know a, a lot of my friends say that you know they can only take the news so long. We always hear uh, you know, the news. You turn it on, it's just negative all the time, isn't it? All the time. They they. It, it, you, you turn on, and it doesn't matter, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, man, it's just constant bombardment. And uh, of, here we hate, they hate this, they hate that, and there, there's protests here, and the protesters hate this, and they, they're beating up people over here, and, and children are dying, and it's just, just, oh, I can't take it. And so what do we do? We turn it off, because we don't want our minds to always be in the negative, right? We don't always want to have to be focused and dwelling on that sort of thing. And so that's good, I think, to turn that stuff off, to move your mind and your heart away from that into better things. The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. That's another proverb, Proverbs 12, 26. If you live your life right and you want to please God, you have to be careful about who you choose as friends, about the kind of majority of influences you allow into your life. And then, you know, as I was thinking about that, I realized a lot of times we don't choose our friends. You know, we don't. Friends are often people we kind of fall in with. We don't so much choose them as we end up spending time with them at common activities. You may remember or have heard the term, you know, hey, don't fall in with that lot. 
You ever remember that? Uh, maybe you've heard it in the movies or you heard it from your grandparents. I, I've, I've used that phrase. Uh, don't fall in with that lot or uh, don't fall in with the wrong crowd. I, you know, I, now that I think about it, I think it's always used in the negative. Uh, but it's okay to fall in with the right crowd. But what, it, what they're saying is um, don't get caught up in their activities. Don't move in the direction they're in. Don't have a fellowship with that group because of the direction they're moving in. So what can we do for our kids? I, I know a lot of parents are always wondering about that. I hope, I, I really hope that we are always thinking about what kind of influences am I putting my children through? Number one, you're putting your kids uh, under a great amount of influence when you put them in a public, private charter school. Get to know the, the, the teachers. Get to know what they're, they're, they're doing there. I mean, even teachers who may have some bad influence because of the way they think religiously or politically, but they may still be great teachers. They, that's true. But they may have some things that aren't great. Just, that's fine. Get to know what those things are. Talk to your kids. And you can influence your child in the right direction. Like, I know there's this big push out there for gender uh, uh, neutrality. You know, let the kid choose their own gender. And man, I I want to make sure that doesn't happen to my kids. So I, I kind of not overly, but I'm reinforcing the idea that my boys, they're boys, and they are going to want to grow up to be men. And I'm influencing them. I want to make sure they understand there's a difference between boys and girls, and uh, their girls are girls. They can't change that, no matter what they say. They're boys. They can't change that, no matter what people t- may tell them. And so I'm putting that influence uh, upon them. Uh, there's, uh, but there's other ways to do it. I, make sure your kids attend uh, Bible, uh, Sunday Bible school. Bring them to uh, the services on Sunday and on Wednesday nights or when you, when you can. Find a church camp. Copper Basin Bible Camp just finished their uh, summer camps. And what a great influence that has. That, that young man who was baptized Sunday night, that was the catalyst for him to really choose to put on Christ because he was at camp and he saw and had a great amount of influence from all those other kids and the teachers that were up there. And so I applaud them and I thank them for the influence they had and for the influence of, the, of his parents. And apparently it had some influence from me. That makes me feel fantastic to know that uh, the, the words I'm speaking is, is penetrating the hearts of people out there. It's doing a good. And it's not my words. It's the word of God. It's, it's really the influence of God. I'm just a conduit for that. His parents were a conduit of the word. Church camp was a conduit for the word. And there's a lot of other things that you can do to help your children have a good, positive influence. So I find kids that I know are going to be strong in the church to raise my kids up with. My, my oldest son, Joshua, and, and my, my middle child, Jonah and Jody. I want to make sure they're friends with the kids here at, at church. So Caleb Wolf is one of those and, and others. We need to make sure we have those close, close friends. You know, um, Jesus spent his time with uh, all kinds of folks. But he spent a lot of time with his 12 closest friends, his disciples. He also spent time with people uh, that I was telling you about, the kind of people you shouldn't spend time with. Sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, you know, people who are failing at life. 
But Jesus never just happened to fall into those relationships. Those people became, you could say, Jesus' acquaintances and ultimately became his friends, but they never steered the boat, did they? In fact, there were plenty of times Jesus told these new acquaintances things they didn't want to hear. For example, uh, there was the crippled man Jesus healed in John chapter 5. Some folks weren't happy that Jesus had healed this man on the Sabbath, but he healed, the healed man stood up for Jesus. He didn't back down when they criticized what Jesus had done. But when Jesus met him later in the day, these were Jesus' words to him. John 5, 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. This man had stood up for Jesus. He literally had become Jesus' friend, but Jesus says to him, quit, quit doing what you were doing. Now, he's not talking about standing up for him. He's talking about the sinning. If you don't, things could get worse. He's not saying that you're going to get sick or crippled again. He's talking about what your life, what's going to happen to you after this life. Things will get worse. <laughs> so don't do that. Keep, just stay righteous. He's more, Jesus is more worried about the direction this man is steering his boat and the kind of influence he's going to allow in his life. And don't shut out the religious things of life. Even though these people are hypocrites that are confronting you about me, stick with the word of God. If you have a friend out there who's doing drugs, do you suppose you should tell him to stop doing drugs? Of course, they're your friend. If you're going to be a real friend, you're going to want to help them out. If you have a friend who's abusing alcohol, do you think you should tell them to stop drinking? Yeah. Now, you can't just go up to them and tell them, stop drinking. That doesn't work. You've got to find a way to, to work that in and help them out. There are a lot of Christians who have uh, no trouble telling people to live righteous lives. Because for many Christians, the royal law of the kingdom is that people should live righteously. The royal law is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I, uh, I'm running out of time, and I, I got a lot more here I want to say, but I, uh, I'm not going to have time to get to it. And so I want to say a last few things. Parents uh, and friends, those of you with acquaintances and, and, and those that you have fellowship with, recognize that everything and everyone has an influence upon you and upon your children. Where you take your family is going to have influence upon them. Consider it wisely. Make sure that you're attending a place, a, a, a congregation that is teaching truth and isn't pandering to the masses, but panders to the Word of God. And make sure you're influencing your children and your family with the positive things of life. Philippians chapter 4 is what I really want you to read and take a look at. I don't have time to read it here. I'm running out of time. But take a look at that when you get home. And if you do, redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity as the Lord has given it to us this day. Thank you very much. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out.